Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Maddie, hi! Welcome to another episode of us. This was a long time in the production. Well, not really. We were supposed to do it months ago. Yeah. So this is adrenergic pharmacology or sympathetic pharmacology. We've already done the adrenergic receptors, so alpha one, beta one, alpha two, beta two. That's what I was referring to. We almost. Supposed to do this like in the same day. Yeah, and then we got sidetracked by all the other things that we're doing. But it's here now, so no one can complain. So everyone shut up, listen, because it's going to be very informative for everybody, including me. (laughs) So we're going to talk about sympathetic pharmacology. And to begin, I think a very brief recap of the sympathetic nervous system and the receptors. So sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. Mm -hmm. When you get scared... All these different bodily functions. Only scared? Well, when you get scared or when you get anxious, when you get stressed, when I look at you and I want to fight you. <laughs> Why? It's your face. <laughs> Something about your face <laughs> stimulates my sympathetic nervous system. Why fight when I'm flight? Why don't you just run away? Why would I when I know that I could demolish you, Matthew? Okay. Um, this like, is it's, t- like it's not the other half. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Fight, flight, fright, and making love. So, (laughs) when this gets activated, a whole bunch of things happen in our body. Pupil dilation, heart rate increases, airways open up, uh, peripheral blood vessels constrict, blood vessels at the musculature dilate. All these things happen to keep us safe, happy, and healthy in that time of stress, and it's supposedly short-term. Now, all of this happens primarily because of noradrenaline and adrenaline. And they will bind to specific receptors in the body mm-hmm. 
that are on specific organs or structures or glands um, that can receive these receptors, uh, totally. sorry, that can receive these neurotransmitters and have their downstream activity. Which you just mentioned, all those flight and flight um, outcomes are based on these receptors. Yeah, I think the, the easiest way to understand adrenergic pharmacology is you must first know what happens in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. So if you know all those things that happen, then it's easy downstream for things to make sense because yeah. then you can say, okay, if I throw adrenaline at this receptor, now what happens to the body? And so if, for example, I were to say to you, you've got four major types of adrenergic receptors, alpha-1 receptors, okay. alpha-2, mm-hmm. beta-1, and beta-2, and they're located on different, like I said, organ structures or glands. If I tell you what organ or gland or structure they're located on, you should then be able to tell me what the downstream effect will be because you know what sympathetic activity is. So okay. if I said to you, their alpha-1 receptors are found on peripheral blood vessels. Now I said, if I throw adrenaline at it, what's going to happen? Uh, well, you would think based on the response of fight and flight being you go wide, mm. so less blood to your skin, those blood vessels would constrict. Perfect. Okay. So what if I said that alpha, uh, sorry, beta-1 receptors are located on the heart? What if I threw adrenaline at beta-1 receptors? Yeah, um, so again, fight and flight in, so you're probably wanting your heart rate to go up as you're pumping more blood around your body while you're running away from that bear or punching me in the face. Perfect. Okay, if... All right, so this one, here's one for you. Beta 2 receptors are found in the airways. Mm-hmm. Now, if I throw adrenaline at that, what's going to happen? Um, you want your airways to open up to get more oxygen in to carry around your body to the muscles that you're running away from or punching me in the face. So if the airway, so this is where a lot of students get mixed up is because... Some constrict, some dilate. Yeah, some are activated, some are inhibited, right? Some of these receptors and everyone, a lot of people always think, well, if, if a neurotransmitter is binding to a receptor, something's activated. Or, but in actual fact, a neurotransmitter can bind to a receptor and inhibit something, right? Or in those exa- three examples you gave, one is to a blood vessel, one is to the heart muscle, and one is to the bronchial muscle. Yeah. But in their responses, the heart is increasing speed, so that makes sense. Yeah. But, so it's excitatory. Yeah. But you're um, dilating your bronchioles, so the muscles in your bronchioles, and you would think if you contracted those, it would get more constricted. So exactly. So that kind of doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. So that's why beta-2 receptors, when you throw adrenaline at them, mm. actually as an inhibitory effect okay. because you either contract muscle or you don't, yep. right? So you don't contract muscle or relax muscle. They're either contracted or not. Okay. So if it's inhibited from contracting, it's going to relax. So your airways open up. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what we can actually say is that an easy way to remember it is if you were to draw alpha one and beta one on top of each other on a whiteboard or piece of paper. Yep. And then draw a box around those two. If you throw adrenaline at them, you stimulate the outcome. Yep. So it's usually going to be some form of contraction or, or stimulating whatever glands to release whatever hormones they yep. have to release. And the easy way to, to just to think of that is um, those two receptors, when they're activated, more calcium enters those cells. And we, and we know that when calcium is thrown into a muscle, you get activation. Yeah. Then when you have a look at, if you write alpha-2 and then beta-2, one on top of each other, and then draw a box around them, 
you can write inhibit. Because if you throw adrenaline at them, they actually inhibit the muscles from contracting or inhibit the hormones or neurotransmitters from being released. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Okay. So this is that's a recap of what we did in the adrenergic receptor podcast. Except we spoke about it for an hour and a half as opposed to 10 minutes. Was that how long the last one was for? I don't know. I made that up. I'm, I can't remember. I think it was only 60 think, minutes. Yeah, I don't think it was that long. So let's aim for 45 minutes today. Yeah, easy. Okay, so... Do you want to just list? So, should we go through each one one at a time and just talk about when you agonize them and then antagonize them? I think or so. Activate them, block them. Well, yeah. I so, think do so. we just do receptor by receptor? I think we do receptor by receptor. But first, I think let's talk about very quickly adrenaline, noradrenaline, very quickly because that's going to be the endogenous chemical we're talking about here, and all the drugs are either going to mimic it or inhibit its activity, right? And that's why you've got agonist or antagonist. So adrenaline, also known as epinephrine, and norepinephrine, also known as norepinephrine, yep. uh, is synthesized from an amino acid called tyrosine. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, what basically happens is tyrosine, the amino acid, turns into dopa, which then turns into dopamine, which then t- turns into noradrenaline, and then that gets released from the neuron. Mm-hmm. Right? And like we said, if it gets... Now, this is, this is neuronal, noradrenaline, right? But you've also got the adrenal gland and the medulla of the adrenal gland, which is the deep core of it. That produces adrenaline. Mm-hmm. And so both when they're released will have similar activities. They both bind to these adrenergic receptors, alphas and betas, and they both have similar sympathomimetic effects. That means they mimic the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. All right? Now, I think, I mean, unless you wanted to go through the specifics of the step-by-step process of, of noradrenaline synthesis, or do you think... No, you... we've done that last time. We did? Yeah. Oh, so this is another recap. You mean the actual creation of the... Yeah. Yeah, well, I think we've done that. Oh, perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, best place to start is at the first one, Alpha 1. Okay, Alpha 1. What do you reckon? Now, remember, this is on the background of by... This is a stimulating... What did you say? Excitatory? Yeah. Response? Yes. Okay. So when you activate this receptor, on all the things that it's going to act on, it will actually excite. So the way I remember it is that alpha-1 receptors can be found on all smooth muscle, glands, and organs that are associated with the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. So let's do the smooth muscles. So we've got blood vessels in the skin. Yeah. We've got... Um, blood vessels in your GIT. Yeah, so the gastrointestinal uh, tract. Yeah, and blood vessels in your nose. All right. Okay, so that's the mucosa of your nose. Yep. Um, we've got smooth muscle of sphincters. So this okay. would be GIT and urinary. Okay. And we've got smooth muscle to the iris of your eye, right. um, particularly the dilator. Okay. Okay. So we said a alpha-1 is excitatory. Yeah. So if I throw adrenaline at alpha-1, and you just told me where it's located, I can now tell you the effect. So... Okay. So blood vessels in the skin? Going to constrict, shut that blood to deeper organs. So less blood to the skin? Yeah, less okay. blood to the skin. That's blood vessels to the GIT? It's going to constrict those because it probably wants to inhibit digestive activity. Okay. Because right? that's a lot of blood. It's a so, lot of blood to the okay. GIT. Probably also, I would imagine, it's also blood vessels to your kidneys. So, so reduce urine production. Yeah, but you're going to shunt blood away from the kidneys during that fight-and-flight period. Yeah. And so this is probably why um, a long-standing sympathetic response could knock your kidneys off. Uh, because of hypoperfusion. Right. 
Okay. Um, blood vessels to your nose. So this is the mucosa. It's not your nose on the outside. Gotcha. It's on the inside. Okay, so all that thick mucus lining inside your nose constricts the blood vessels but there. Less blood there, yeah. So hence probably one of uh, we'll probably talk we'll about that. that. But okay. Um, sphincters of your GIT. Tighten them up. So contract them. Yep. So easier or harder to do a poo? Well, if my sphincters have an increased tone... It's more contracted. Right. Um, it's hard to push things through a smaller hole. <laughs> All right. Um, and same with the urinary. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you probably got... To, uh, well, the sphincter of the, of, the, of the urinary system, the detrusor, would contract, so it'd be harder to push urine out. I thought the detrusor promoted urine to come out. Yeah, the muscle, yeah. the detrusor itself. If you contracted the muscle of the detrusor, yeah. it would, but this is just the sphincter. Ah, okay. Yeah. The gatekeeper of urine. Yeah. All right. And then lastly, your iris. So okay. your iris is that muscle, smooth muscle that go, kind of goes around your uh, pupil. And there's actually two uh, muscles that take part here. There's a, a dilator and a constrictor. So this would be specifically for the dilator. So if you activate the dilator muscle, yeah, what would it do? Dilate. <laughs> so, okay, so this is where it gets a bit confusing because we were just saying before, when you activate muscle, it constricts. But in this case, when you're activating the muscle, it's not relaxing. The contraction of this muscle paradoxically results in dilation of the pupil. And this happens to let more light in when you mm-hmm. get scared and frightened so you can see more of your surroundings so you can run away if you're mad or fight another day if you're me. Think of it like if you had a... Um a circle, a big circle that was, I don't know, rubbery or something, and it had, and it had um, strings on every aspect of it, and everyone pulled uh-huh. in different directions. I like that. It would stretch the circle to make it bigger. Gotcha. So you are contracting. Mm. Okay. Makes sense. All right. So this is all alpha-1. So now we're going to go in the context of drugs. the drugs. So let's start with the alpha-1 agonists. All right. Okay. So that means alpha-1 is excitatory. You throw adrenaline at it, it does all those things we just said. Therefore, the drugs we're just about to mention, called agonists, mimic that activity. They can also be called sympathomimetics, or sympathetic agonists, or adrenergic agonists. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, what is an example of an alpha-1 adrenergic agonist? So, so the, the big actions, the big clinical actions that we want to do here is play around with hypotension, okay. red eyes, and nasal congestion okay now we didn't we haven't mentioned hypertension yet for alpha one but this is happening in the context of that peripheral vasoconstriction Mm. right so when you said before alpha one receptors are found on the peripheral blood vessels and if i throw adrenaline at it they constrict Mm. if they constrict they're shunting blood it doesn't change your blood volume it just changes where the blood is right but just like with a garden hose at home, you love this analogy every time I use it, if you were to change the diameter of the blood uh, of the garden hose, you change the pressure of the water in that hose. So if you halve the diameter of the hose, then what's going to happen is the blood pressure increases. Put your thumb on the end of your garden hose and halve the diameter, the water squirts out at a higher pressure. Mm. So the same thing happens in your body, and that can in- induce hypertension. Okay. Right. So that means the agonist... Yep. is going to promote hypertension. Right. So you'd use it in cases when you've got low blood pressure. Yeah. So an example would be if you just came out of surgery yep. and your blood pressure... So you've got a patient who's got 
um, really low blood pressure because they're just going to have long surgery. Uh, you want to you want to bump up that pressure. You might give them a drug that would promote an increased blood pressure. Okay. An example is midabrine. Yeah. Okay. Or brand name proamatine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's used in the case of hypotension. Okay. okay. And that's more perioperative drug. That's that's an indication that I read. Yes. Uh, um, but you can also use alpha-1 agonists for some of the other activities like that of the constricting blood vessels in the nose? Yeah, so that, that's a good one. So if you've got um, a cold or a flu, one of the signs and symptoms is a runny nose or a congested nose. Yeah. And so what you want to do here... Do you want to talk about why it's runny or congested, what that's got to do with vasculature? Why it becomes runny? Yeah, so, what, so what's, I guess what's, the, what's the relationship between the vasculature and the nose and the production of mucus? My guess would be you've got an infection, so whether it's bacteria or viral, it's caused a degree of inflammation in that area yep. because that's where the infection is. And what we know with inflammation, you get vasodilation and increased permeability. Yep. Probably the permeability, at least for the, um, the clear fluid that you'd start with, that would be just like serous exudate. And that's the runny nose. Yeah. But when it may become more bacterial and goes green and thick and clunky, that's not really, not clunky, but no. clumpy. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Shouldn't make that's a noise. Like a, a <laughs> mechanical effect. Um, that's the reason why you get a congested. Also, sometimes when you sleep, if you sleep on your side, all the no, all the blood that will rush to that kind of one nostril is part of the reason why you might have one blocked nostril in the morning. Yep. And that can also regulate your sleeping side patterning. Um, so, so that's just too much. Because your nose is like an erectile tissue. Um, there's other areas in your bodies where you have that erectile tissue, which I won't talk about in this podcast. Oh. But when those areas of erectile tissue gets full with blood, yep. they become hard. Does okay? Viagra have its effect in the nasal tissue? Uh, I think it, Viagra was first thought to be used for a cardiovascular drug, but then yeah. they found that it was more successful in males and other areas. Yes. Um now, so the, 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 the nasal mucosa yeah. is erectile tissue. So when you get put a lot of blood into it, it yeah. swells up yeah. and it becomes congested. Yeah. So if you can vasoconstrict all the blood vessels to that area, it will unblock. Clear those sinuses up. And, and so two common drugs that work in this is phenylephrine and pseudoephedrine. Yeah, so you probably have seen that. So pseudoephedrine was much more common, and that's in a drug like Sudafed. Yes. But because they've, some people have used that in um, illicit drugs, like speed and so forth, yeah. they've made it very difficult to get that drug. So I think they now use phenylephrine, that's which right. is a slightly different derivative, but still does uh, reduces nasal congestion. Yeah, so I mean, I've got a bit of nasal congestion at the moment, and I took phenylephrine yesterday because of this activity okay. because of it it agonizes alpha 1 receptors and vasoconstricts the vasculature in the nose reducing nasal congestion and because it's probably not perfectly um, uh, selective mm. you're probably going to get at least with pseudoephedrine you're probably going to get um, some systemic effects with it so that's probably gives you a bit of energy when you're sick It'll probably bump up your blood pressure and maybe give you a bit of shakes um, as side effects. May not let you sleep very well if you take it at night. Uh, A bit stimulatory in that sense. All right, so should we move on to the... the One one last one is one for the red eye. So if you had had dilated blood vessels in your eye for um, infections, 
or maybe you had too much a type of herb yeah. um, in a smoked form, you might get red eyes. Like, and, like parsley or thyme or sage or rosemary, something like that? Um, yeah, and so there's um, a drug there that works there, and that's commonly called Visine as the brand name, or Nafazoline. 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 These drugs are hard. Uh, what we'll do is I will pronounce the drugs from now on, and Matt can just talk about how they work. Great idea. Um, so that's the agonist. Are we happy with those? I think that's great. So the three big, alpha one. three big indications is for hypertension, nasal congestion, hypotension, and, hypotension, and uh, red eyes. Yeah. Now moving to the alpha one blockers yes. or the antagonist. Yes. So now you're blocking the action on this receptor, and because it's stimulatory, you're now going to have an inhibitory effect at alpha one. Okay. So the two big areas of clinical indication here are for. You might guess the opposite of hypotension now. Hypertension. So if you've got high blood pressure or in some cases for urinary retention. Why? Um, particularly for males who may have BPH, which is benign prostate hyperplasia, sometimes hypertrophy. I'm not sure what the correct yeah. one is now, but BPH. So um, because the prostate's swollen so much, it's very difficult to get the urine out. Mm-hmm. So you get retention. So these drugs like... You want to say it, since you're the drug expert? Which one are we talking about? Are we talking about... Uh, Alphazinine? Yeah, Alphazacin. Make <laughs> it so, so easy. And tam, Tamsulazin. <laughs> okay, so that's for the BBH. Yeah. Is that clear in terms of how it works? Well, you said before that when we look at alpha-1, you said that it can it constricts the smooth muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also highlighted that it constricted the sphincters. Yep. And you said it constricted, constricted the sphincters of the GRT and the urinary tract. Therefore, obviously, if you antagonize alpha-1 or block it, it will dilate or relax these sphincters, yep. therefore reducing urinary retention. And therefore, that's how alphazacin would work, for example. Well said. And then finally, for the hypertension, yeah, um, the drug here, prazosin. Okay, and the the use here, obviously, is for hypertension, particularly in hypertension that's caused by significant vasoconstriction. Yeah, but peripheral it, vasoconstriction. Yeah, but it seems to be quite useful in Reynolds syndrome or disease, which is um, people who have very um, uh, poor circulation to hands and feet. Oh, okay. And so that would open them up and give you a better circulation to your hands. Prazosin also seems to reduce LDLs, low-density lipoproteins, and increase the levels of HDLs, high-density lipoproteins. And remember, when, it look, when we look at cholesterol, the movement of cholesterol around the body, that you don't just look at one of those, you look at the ratio of the two. And you want LDLs to be low and mm-hmm. HDLs to be high, and have a look at that ratio. Sees that prazosin has an has a important role there. I think it does. I think alpha-1 does have receptors on the liver, particularly for glycogen storage. Ah, so transportation of, yeah. of cholesterol. All, All right. right, so that's alpha's d- alpha 1 done completely. Now, should we, now, do you want to go to alpha 2 or beta 1? Uh, we'll let's just... stick to the excitatories. So okay, now right. let's move to beta 1. So, so it's right. pretty easy, this one. Yeah, so beta 1, basically, you only need to remember clinically, and I, I might be overstretching here, but beta 1, what do we have 1 of in the body, Matt, that's quite important with the sympathetic nervous system? Um, one heart. So we've got one heart. You give me much uh, time there. Well, so. eh, look, if I gave you the time you needed 
to get simple answers out, this would be a four-hour podcast. So, beta-1 receptors are found in the heart. And like you said before, when you throw adrenaline, this is all stimulatory. Alpha-1s and beta-1s are, are excitatory. So, if I throw adrenaline at beta-1 receptors and they're found in the heart, increased contractile force, but also the speed of the contractility. Okay. And so, therefore, the agonists for beta-1, they include dobutamine, mm-hmm. right? And that's a specific beta-1. And you... Selective. Selective, I should say. And you were highlighting that you can sort of have some of these drugs that are non-selective. So they may bind to other adrenergic receptors. And so one of these... Okay. Well, let me just bring it up because they both have the same activity, right? Um, One of these, which is isoprenaline, is more of a non-selective. It's both beta-1 and beta-2, right? And we'll talk about that in a sec. But let's just talk about dobutamine first. Okay. So, what do you know about dobutamine? Why is it used? Uh, I think it's in, used in acute heart failure. Okay. So, obviously heart conditions. Yeah. So, acute heart failure. So, would this include, like, the circulatory shock? I think that's more for non the, the non-selectives, but it potentially uh-huh. could. So, okay. my understanding with the non-selective agonists, like you said, noradrenaline, adrenaline, uh, dopamine, mm. they would be used in uh, circulatory shock. Yep. Um, anaphylaxis and probably severe asthma because you want because it's non-selective it's going to also go to um, the lungs so let's talk about that for a sec firstly anaphylaxis why would because we actually haven't we're we're talking about all these drugs that we can give but we haven't spoken about giving noradrenaline and adrenaline to a patient which we probably should start maybe start off talking about since they are the primary adrenergic drugs, right? So, firstly, what is anaphylaxis? And what is why would giving adrenaline or noradrenaline help in, in a case of anaphylaxis or anaphylactic shock? So, anaphylaxis is a type 1 hypersensitivity. So, it's basically where your body reacts, overreacts to an antigen. Like a peanut? Yeah, that's usually... Um, you would consider innocuous, so it's, it shouldn't cause you problems, but the person re- responds to it. So the immune system is recognizing it as foreign yeah. and attacking it as though it's some invading pathogen. Yeah. And so... Is this the innate or the adaptive? Or both is jumping into oh, the body? It would be innate. Okay. Um, so it would respond to it in a way that it just releases so many cytokine chemicals that would go systemically yeah. rather than, let's just say a hay fever which just seems to be fairly specific to your or localized to your airways yeah and you just get runny nose and um cough and slightly so difficult. instead of having a localized inflammatory response you're having a systemic it's now gone everywhere and we know in inflammation blood vessels dilate right yeah so your peripheral blood vessels will dilate which means all the blood goes everywhere in the body yeah and so you have a huge drop in blood pressure so if I widened the diameter of the hose, water just slowly leaks out with little pressure. And with little pressure means little perfusion to the tissues. If the pressure's low, then not enough tissues get the yeah. oxygen and nutrients they yeah. need. Yeah. And, then and your central blood pressure drops as well. So organs start to shut down? I would imagine they would, but yeah. at the same time, you're getting severe bronchoconstriction, so all your airways are closing up. Because of the chemicals being because released. Of chemicals. So this then... Basically fits perfectly. Some smart scientist or medico back in the day would have thought 
Anaphylaxis seems to be the opposite of activating the sympathetic nervous system. You get dilation of peripheral vasculature and you get constriction of the airways. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just give somebody the most potent sympathomimetic we've got, which is adrenaline or adrenaline, right. and it will help fix the. This is why when you watch the movie Pulp Fiction and uh, John Travolta is dancing with Uma Thurman and she goes into anaphylaxis. She's allergic to something, or she OD'd. Can't remember. I think OD'd, wasn't it? But yeah, something like that. And they have to inject this monstrosity of a needle into her heart that's filled with adrenaline, or they say epinephrine, and then she <gasps> comes back to life. Now, if you have a look at the half-life of adrenaline in the body, it's about 2.5 minutes. It's very short-lived, and that's why a lot of people who are given adrenaline um, or noradrenaline, I should say, which is what I'm referring to at the moment, noradrenaline, they're usually given it as a continuous infusion at low levels. And when you look at what receptors are going to be hit by adrenaline and noradrenaline, they hit all of them, basically, mm. but it's dosage dependent. So, for example, oh, okay. if you're going to give somebody adrenaline for circulatory shock or, or cardiac arrest or yeah. anaphylaxis or whatever it may be, you'll find that... Um, or for blood loss, you know, you find that low concentrations will stimulate beta-2 receptors. So this is airways. So this will yeah. open up their airways. A um, little bit higher concentrations will then hit beta-1. So the heart will start to go a bit faster and harder. And then real high levels hit alpha-1. And alpha-1 are going to be the peripheral vasoconstriction. Yeah. Does right. that make sense? I think I could be wrong with this, but I'm pretty sure I heard that in pediatrics at least, when children come in with really severe asthma, that when the the um, beta two agonists don't work, which we'll get to in a second, yeah, they can actually do a um, oh, what's the word? Um, I just can't think of it now. Um, where you vaporize oh. a drug? Oh, really? And they inhale, inhale adrenaline. adrenaline. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. They also use, and you told me this, they use adrenaline with local anesthetics. Oh, yes. So that would vasoconstrict. So if you were... I'm not sure if they still use it, but they used to think if you injected the local anesthetic into an area to numb the area, you don't want it going into the blood supply because a local anesthetic has antiarrhythmic effects on the heart. And so you don't want to put lignocaine into your venous system and then your heart gets out of whack. Yeah. So they have adrenaline in there and that keeps it localised wow. to stop the blood vessels dilating and taking the lignocaine. There we go. And also will re- would reduce blood loss, I assume, as well. It's yeah, so I think they also can in- inject it into like stomach ulcers and where they've had ruptures in, say, varicoses. And so oh, wow. All right, so that's adrenaline, noradrenaline. And so we're sorry for interrupting what we were going on to. But I think we've done... So we've done the, the selective, non-selective... Um, Agonists. Beta-1... Agonists. That's right. And it's all against or to stop. No, it's all to promote. Yeah. Heart. Predominant heart. Heart activity. Yeah. So now let's go to the beta 1 blockers. Or antagonists. Okay. So these are going to stop the stimulating effect of the heart. Yeah. And you do have selective and non-selective beta blockers. Okay. So let's start with the selective beta 1 blockers. Yeah. So the two there, or there's, there's many, but yeah. the two that we've got. Yeah, metoprolol and metoprolol. Yep, okay. the lols. So, so the lols are beta blockers. But, but, but just 
be careful because the lols can be non-selective and selective. Yeah. So the selective ones now are Atenolol and... I'm not sure where you're pointing at. Metropolol. Um, Metropolol. So, so this is used for hypertension yeah. and angina. So angina is where you have a reduction in blood flow to the heart muscle. Yeah. And so you want to slow down the heart a bit so it's not consuming as much energy slash oxygen so your ischemic event goes away. Yeah. But also you can slow down the heart and that would if you slow down the heart or slow down the tap, that will slow down your blood pressure or drop yeah. your blood pressure. And you can also use the lols as anti-anxiety medications too. Okay. Then go into the non-selective beta blockers. So these won't sit on just beta 1. Yeah. They can be... Like propanolol. So they can be on the other betas, beta 2 as well. Yeah. Okay. So propanolol. Yeah, propanolol. And timolol. What is, is it? Timolol. Timolol. Yeah. Okay. So these... Because and these are non-selective. So these non- hit both beta 1 and beta 2. Yeah. So they're going to have more wider reaching effects than okay. just the heart. So okay, so where's beta, so beta one's heart, but you said they can also hit beta two. Where's beta two receptors located again? Well, we know that some's on the bronchioles, so the but, airways. But you're also going to have in some of the blood vessels, yeah, in like the uterus, yeah. Okay, um, so this could be used in cases of glaucoma, yeah. So probably in glaucoma, so what? It's a drop. Okay, so you're not so concerned by that getting into the lungs because it's low glaucoma. So why glau- what's the role with glaucoma and, and adrenergic antagonists? I think it was... Oh, so glaucoma is a high pressure in the front of your eye. Yeah. And when you put this drug into your eye, I think it causes um, pupil dilation. Okay. And that allows the flow... I forget if it's open-angle or closed-angle glaucoma, but it allows the flow of the fluid to be increased because... I think what's happened is, um, you know how we spoke about that rubber circle and you pull it on the yeah. ropes? Yeah. I think while it's not being contracted, yeah. all the ropes are clumped up. Yeah. And that clumping up can sometimes affect the way that the um, anterior chamber in your eye flows. But if you dilate it, then the flow increases and that allows for a better movement of um, the, the, the fluid between your chambers and your eye and that drops the glaucoma. So that's the pressure in your eye. Okay. The glaucoma is one. Also, they can use this in post-MRI. Sorry, MRI. MI. So after a heart attack, yeah. um, beta blockers can be used to take the pressure off your heart. Oh, that's just slowing it down. Slowing it down. So more so propranolol, so a non-selective rather than a specific selective. Hypertension and also migraines can be used by non-selective beta blockers. Now, if, if you're using a non-selective, my thought would be, because these are non-selective antagonists or blockers of beta, if you block beta 1, you slow the heart down. That's mm. easy to understand. Mm-hmm. But beta 2 is all already inhibiting contraction of the constriction of the airways. So if you antagonize or inhibit an inhibitor, you actually can end up constricting the airways with a blocker, with a beta blocker. Yeah. So if you have beta 2 antagonism, mm-hmm. you probably want to be careful if you have a pre-existing respiratory yeah. disorder, right? So I imagine these drugs would be contraindicated possibly in people with COPD or asthma. So chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, which are obstructive disorders like emphysema, yeah. chronic bronchitis, and asthma. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Good. So that's the alpha-1s or the, the 1s done. That's the one. So we've done alpha one and beta one. Now let's move on to alpha two. All right, you can do this one. All right, I think this one can be very short. 
Okay. Oh, so that's why I'm doing it. I get it. Correct. So alpha two, we are now in the inhibitory category. Mm -hmm. So if I throw adrenaline at alpha two, the role of alpha two receptors is they're found on presynaptic sympathetic neurons. Okay. And throwing adrenaline at them inhibits their activity. Okay. So what that means is I throw adrenaline at alpha two, it inhibits the presynaptic neuron from releasing more noradrenaline, right? And so that how it inhibits, which means if I have an agonist of alpha-2, it's going to inhibit the sympathetic nervous system effects. If I have an antagonist, I activate the sympathetic nervous system effects. Correct. So if we have a look at some of the agonists, so these are going to be inhibit, they're not sympathomimetics, they're sympatholytics or uh, sympathetic agonists, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Clonidine is probably the most common one, and clonidine is used as an antihypertensive because okay. you're stopping the sympathetic effects. Right, and, makes and because this is on presynaptic terminals of sympathetic neurons, it pretty much has this systemic-wide um, sympathetic effect. Mm-hmm. But it's also used uh, relatively often within the surgical setting as a sedative and also for pain relief, clonidine. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then another one that's used... Which so I think noradrenaline does have an effect on chronic pain, and that's why, you know, stress and so forth worsens pain. So I just wonder if that's, that's kind of mechanism, or probably one of. Potentially. Yeah, okay, sorry, go on. And then another one which is like clonidine, uh, basically, and I'm probably going to have a problem pronouncing this one, is dexmedetomidine, right? Dexmedetomidine, and that's a <laughs> dexmedetomidine... Okay. All right. It's yeah, it's fine. No, 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 no. So it's just like clonidine, basically. Um, so for the same indications, then? Same indications, yeah. Okay. Sedation, pain, so forth. Uh, antagonists. So metazapine is an antagonist of alpha-2. So if you antagonize an inhibitor... So block you, an inhibitor. Yeah, you activate the sympathetic nervous system. Okay. And this is often used to release or stimulate the release of more noradrenaline, hmm. but also hits serotonin receptors as well okay. and is serotonergic too. So it's not just adrenergic, it's serotonergic. Okay. So you get both the release of adrenaline and serotonin. Is serotonin made similar? Yes, serotonin okay. is very similar. Um, if you stimulate both of these to be released, yeah. they have a relatively strong antidepressant effect hmm. so, I wonder, and I guess you could probably guess that the side effects here would be all the sympathetic effects that we've already spoken about yeah so you might get jittery um, an antidepressant effect but you might get a whole lot of sympathetic effects as side effects yeah that's right so that's alpha 2 agonist so, so that's uh, relatively antagonist. straightforward so now we move on to the beta 2s yeah. and so just to recap we're inhibiting these so wherever these receptors are it's going to cause inhibition, correct? If I throw adrenaline at yeah. beta 2, okay. it inhibits that tissue that they're located on. So a lot of these are smooth muscles. Yeah. So the smooth muscles are located in your bronchioles, in your GIT, um, blood vessels of your heart, so that's the coronary vessels. Yes. Um, skeletal muscles. Yeah. Um, so when I say skeletal muscle, means blood vessels to skeletal muscles, gotcha. not skeletal muscles. Okay. Uh, and uterus. All right. Okay, so... If you were to inhibit these, what effect would you get? I'll read them out and you tell me what effect. So uh, bronchioles, yeah, muscles of your bronchioles. Airways are going to open up. More air Because they in. are being inhibited. Yes. So less contraction. Yep. Okay. GIT blood... No, sorry. No, just the GIT muscles. 
Okay, it stops them from contracting, therefore stopping peristalsis, which is the movement of contents through the GRT. Okay, so that would... Yeah. Decrease GRT activity, which okay. is more of a parasympathetic activity. Okay. So it makes sense that it's yeah. not activated in this case. Okay. Um, blood vessels to your heart, so the, the coronary vessels. Well, if you relax them, which or inhibit them in this case, the, vascular, uh, the, the vasculature will dilate and mm-hmm. open up. Mm-hmm. Therefore, more blood will get to the heart. Is that something you want in a sympathetic reaction? It would be, because if you activate the sympathetic nervous system, your heart increases the force and speed of contractility, which means it's a muscle. If I go to the gym and I do biceps a lot, um, I need Are you more... yourself here? Maybe. Okay. I need more oxygen and nutrients to them. And so the same okay. thing happens with the heart. You contract it more, it requires more. Okay. And so they dilate the coronaries. Blood vessels to skeletal muscles? Well, you want to dilate that because in your case, you'll run away from the fight. And in my case, I'll be using those skeletal muscles to punch you in the face. Okay. Great. Uh, and then finally, uterus. How are you using this in a fight and flight? Good question. Um, I don't have one. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure what I would be using it for or not using it for, but if you re- relax the musculature... Do you know males actually have a uterus? Okay. A prostatic it? utricle. Prostatic utricle. Yeah. And is that the analogue? That's the analogue, yeah. Okay. Where is it? At the prostate? It's just, yeah, kind of in the mid-portion of the prostate. So, does oxytocin have an effect on I it? have no idea. I don't want to ask these, answer so, these questions. So, tell me what the role of the relaxation of the uterine musculature is. That what it also, is? I, I guess that, um, this is just me guessing here, um, it would be more favourable for the mother to be in a parasympathetic state than a sympathetic state to give birth. I would have thought that, yeah. unfortunately, you're, you're in the sympathetic state regardless because you are... Yeah, you'd think so, wouldn't you? Yeah. But, but I'm pretty sure they will use oh, drugs... Looking at my so wife, she was in the sympathetic state. Yeah, yeah, it, does, it does sound strange. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that when they use beta-2 agonists, they yeah. can use them for preterm labour. Okay. So if you want to kind of slow down labour, I think oh. that's where it fits in. All right. But I'm happy to be corrected there. So these are agonists. So this is what happens when you throw adrenaline at them, all those those activities. So what if we throw... So basically... Things that mimic yeah. adrenaline, okay. like... Uh, tubulin, that's an example of an agonist, and albuterol. So th- they're all going to have these so effects? So they're more American terms. Okay. For us, at least Australia, yeah. we have salbutamol, gotcha. which is, I think, equivalent to albuterol. Yeah. And we have salmeterol. Okay. And so salbutamol, which in Australia, at least, we call it ventolin. Mm-hmm. Okay. These are short-acting bronchodilators or short-acting beta agonists. Okay. So that would be the relievers in puffers. So does that mean they don't have their effects? Because you said that beta-2 is not just on the bronchioles, but also on the GIT musculature and the blood and the coronaries and the uterus. So do they have an effect there? Or are they? I would imagine so, but that's why a lot of the case of these drugs are given by puffers. Ah, uh, because so they're not going to get into the bloodstream. Yeah. So it's going to go in and out of the lungs. Mostly. But I'm, gotcha. I'm, I'm, I'm aware that some of the side effects of lots of Ventolin is shakes uh, oh. and tachycardia. Okay. So some would be getting out into the systemic. So some people get um, shaking, so that's skeletal muscle activation from... Does that also Ventolin. mean that salbutamol and salmeritol is non-specific? I think they are technically selective, but there's probably a touch of... I mean, like... 
we can see that it's on the skeletal muscles. Yeah. So yeah. that's a normal effect of beta two. Yeah, of course. But you usually get the, the way the administration of these drugs are usually going to be given topically. Yeah. Through um, puffers. Okay. Or through um, again, I can't remember the word vaporization. Oh yeah, vaporizer. Yeah. But there's a it's a term for it. Got a mind blank. So basically, inhalants, though. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So with antagonists of beta 2, now if you think about beta 2 and you agonize it, you're agonizing an inhibitor. Mm -hmm. So it dilates, airways open up. This is all good news. Mm. There's no situation I can think of where you'd want to constrict the bronchioles of somebody's airways, which you'd use with an antagonist, beta 2 specific antagonist, right? I can't think of one. I can't think of one. The only time I can think of it occurring is for the non-selective beta-1 antagonists hmm. jumping over and having their effect on beta-2. Yep. So this may be like the propanolols and the metoprolol, for example, maybe may actually accidentally hit the uh, beta-2. For, for the non-selectives? Yeah. Propanolol and timolol. Yeah. Because the metoprolol and metoprolol is selective. Oh, okay. Yeah. So propanolol predominantly then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, basically, we've done it, Matty. Hmm. And what time? Good. It was 43 minutes. Wow. We're finally doing episodes in under an hour. That's not our aim, by the way. Now, do you want to do a final wrap-up or just leave it there? We'll leave it there. Okay. People want to listen to it, they can listen to it. We've done the uh, receptors. We've never done the drugs. I just want to say to everyone, housekeeping now, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical Podcast and Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's Medical YouTube are resources that are available to you for free to help you study. Now... We are more than happy to do the recordings of these videos and audio files for you. We love doing this. It's part of just what we do. Uh, who we are. Who we are. It is ingrained in our being. Uh, but, un- but unfortunately, we need uh, better microphones. We need better equipment. We need better video recording devices, audio quality. And so we started a Patreon account. And that money is just to go to those types of things. Um, so if if you want so us... So Michael's not popping in and going to the Bahamas? No, by no means. <laughs> by no means. If you want us to continue to provide you with high-quality medical education videos and podcasts, please think about donating to us on Patreon. Uh, you can just go to patreon forward slash... Well, patreon.com forward slash medical podcast and you can donate a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, it's up to you. We do have levels of patronage, and so the more you donate, the more you get in return. So, for example, I think it's fifteen dollars a month, we'll do an episode of your choice for you. If it's even more, we can do specific YouTube videos for you, and I think there's a, a, a particular level in which, if you give us a certain amount of money, we'll do a private online tutorial for you and your friends. So, we're going to couple of really good things going on there. Plus medical merchandise. So for those who maintain their patronage for six months, they'll get merchandise such as hats, shirts, pens, pads, things like that. Um, we're producing this merch at the moment. Mm. Uh, and that's if you continually... So that that would basically, basically be anyone at the $5 or above that continually donates $5 a month or above. For six months, you'll get this medical merchandise. Now... The other thing is, I've started an Instagram page for anyone who wants to just basically go on Instagram and learn some medical education stuff, 
all of these things in about five to 10 minute videos, IGTV and Instagram. So if you want, please feel free to follow me. I am found on Instagram at Dr. Mike Todorovic. So that's D-R-M-I-K-E-T-O-D-O-R-O-V-I-C. But you can also find Matt and I on Twitter. So I can be found on Twitter at Mickey Todd, M-I-C-K-E-Y-T-O-D. And Matt can be found at Dr. Bartox, D-R-B-A-R-T-O-X. Well done. That was pretty good. Now we're over 45 minutes. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so final things to say. Always, if you have topics that you would like us to cover, if you have questions or you just want to drop us an email, we really like receiving emails. We don't get a huge amount, but we do love receiving them it does so if you do have and even if you have certain things to add from say today's episode we mm. might have got something wrong please inform us yeah Matt usually does mm-hmm. um, but yeah suggest things for the future podcast or videos and we'll be happy to do those for you sounds great thank you everyone and we will be back soon with another episode of Dr. Matt and Dr. Mark's medical podcast Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.